0: You are listening to Faith by Hearing with Dave Delaney, Christian conversations about faith, family, and friends.
1: Remember your first job, Derek? Cleaning the church bathrooms.
2: Did when I was thirteen. Didn't you cut the church lawn too?
1: I wasn't paid for doing the church lawn. I got, you were. You I got paid. paid for cleaning the bathrooms. I came in Monday nights, Tuesday nights for two or three hours. How was that? Scary sometimes, especially on the second floor at by, night by yourself at night.
2: Wait, you were by yourself? Your brothers didn't help you?
1: My brother helped me for a little bit, and then I did. I was alone for a while. It helped when they were doing the institute because there would be stuff going on. How'd you get here? Mom would drop me off. Wow. <laughs> you remember your first job, Evan?
0: Yep. My dad cut lawns. I was in fourth grade. He started taking me with him really to pick up trash at first. And then uh, I started weed eating. I started using the push mower. Started using the blower. So by the end of the summer, between fourth and fifth grade, I was a forty-hour-week man, and I've never been the same. Cutting lawns. Cutting lawns. How was your first? Did you ever cut lawn? Dirt?
1: Not regularly. I did the church lawn on Saturdays, and then I did my neighbor's lawn when I needed money.
2: Well, welcome to Faith by Hearing podcast, an authentic conversation about faith, family, and friends. And uh, we have a lot to get to today because we have a listener request conversation about biblical manhood and a great place to jump into a conversation about manhood is your first job. Both of these guys had a first job. I had a summer job working at a maintenance shop slash drive-in movie theater. That was my first job, Georgetown, Indiana. And I remember I got like, I don't know, $120 at the end of the summer, and I thought I was like the richest person in the world because oh, yeah. the guy paid me in cash. But this is a conversation about biblical manhood. We're going to jump into this. Let's. We got to take a quiz, though. We got to see where you are on your understanding of biblical masculinity or biblical manhood. So here's the quiz. You take it at home while you listen. The quiz is is it masculine
0: this is what a man looks like i want you to think about this one before you answer pedicures
1: <sighs> pedicures is feet right yeah no
0: what
2: Mm-mm. i'm a no on that
0: the dudes i know who get pedicures they work on their feet all day long and their feet get all tore up and callused and cracked so they go to the the pedicure people work it out
1: whenever i walk by a nail salon i've never seen what i perceive to be a masculine dude sitting there so that being my experience
2: Mm. the fingernail toenail obsession with our culture you know you've seen these these uh athletes that they paint their fingernails now no yeah watch these watch like a college football game or nfl game these quarterbacks or whatever even wide receivers you know they're like they'll paint their fingernails now so like for I, a practical reason or no no just,
0: baseball catchers do it for a reason yeah no no Everyone there's no else is out there's no practical
2: reason for this they just they just do so it's out even playing a masculine sport like football
0: no football is not masculine football is play they go out there and pretend to be masculine for an hour every okay day. is it masculine
2: six seconds at a time speaking of football is it masculine soccer
1: I think you can play soccer masculinely. The minute you start flopping and pretending like everything hurts, then that's a good it point. Takes away a lot <laughs> of your. Then basketball's
0: manliness. not masculine either. I think Ouch. same
1: same thing for basketball. It, it depends how you play it. Mm, it's tough. All right, you got one, Derek. Is if it You watched the TLC channel? Mm. is that. Masculine? No, that's
0: fine. Doug Dynasty was on there for a while, so we're good. Ooh,
1: yeah. They gave you the the man pass. Yeah, you yeah.
2: swayed me with that. And, uh, it, is it masculine if you order a pumpkin spice latte extra whip? No, I didn't extra get extra pumpkin, whip. extra spice. It
0: was a it was a normal amount of <laughs> I need, whipped
2: cream. I need all the listeners right now to no, go to our listening. go to our Insta page and let me know that that is not masculine. And really, by letting me know, you're letting Evan know to never order that drink. Again. I
0: got a pumpkin spice latte. It had a normal amount of whipped cream. They said cream or no cream. I said yes, whipped cream. So it wasn't extra; it was the normal amount, but right. it had an extra shot. No, there was more espresso in there than normal. I think the people are gonna have my back on this one, but even if they don't, I don't care. I think what if you-,
1: you have a special order at all, if you don't order straight off the menu, it's. That menu. That's right.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh man!
1: Okay, what a
2: this is a this is a a important topic that the church is in the middle of a god-ordained process of revealing who the people of god are in this conversation and the sifter that god is using is sexuality identity gender issues like marriage gender i believe are separating the faithful from the unfaithful those who agree with the bible that marriage is between one man one woman for one life those who say that the only appropriate context for marriage and the sexual expression is marriage, those who say that gender is not chosen, but one that's given to you by God at birth, that group of people in this culture are being called old-fashioned, bigots, even dangerous. And while we might end up on the wrong side of history in our culture, It's good to be on the right side of holiness and the scripture. In his book, The Gathering Storm, Al Mohler says, Sadly, many churches have capitulated to the demands of the sexual revolution. It will take extraordinary conviction to resist. And we are about to find out which churches, denominations, Christian institutions are capable of resistance. In other words... We're about to find out where everyone stands on issues like biblical manhood, biblical masculinity, and I think what we're seeing is this gender role distortion and infatuation with egalitarian spirit has brought a lot of confusion to the churches. And in my opinion, this is part of Satan's strategy, that when courage and conviction will be needed the most. It's biblical manhood and masculinity has been so watered down that there'll be no courage or conviction left for people to stand. We must remind ourselves that Christianity is not an egalitarian religion, that men and women are equal in their value before the Lord, in their value before the cross, but men and women are not equal in our role or responsibilities and I think culturally what we have is a very low standard for men most men feel like they're good enough if they provide food provide shelter that they're good enough if they provide any kind of income but as one author pointed out even possums provide food and shelter for their offspring <laughs> So I don't think that that's the bar in the Bible. I don't think the bar in the Scripture is provide food, provide shelter. The standard in the Scripture calls us to much more than that, and we'll, we'll see some of that in a little while. But oftentimes the, the great temptation for men is not necessarily to go and do evil. That, that is a temptation, and we'll talk about that in future episodes. But the great temptation for most men is to sit back, to do nothing, that they aren't necessarily looking to do wrong or to, you know, be bad guys. Just couch potatoes to turn on the egalitarian autopilot and just allow maybe others or even women to be able to lead. And I think a lot of that culture, I think the culture has been set low because the culture has twisted a proper understanding of biblical masculinity. Husbands and fathers and men have become the punching bags in our culture. They're portrayed as inattentive and careless, shallow, weak, or society glorifies a brand of manhood that's devoid of honor, that men for the most part are maligned in our culture today. I saw a, a post just recently that The uh, director of the Avatar movie, James Cameron, came out and says that testosterone is a toxin that men must terminate from their system.
0: Even with all the controversy that was caused by the Top Gun movie this summer, Mm -hmm. you think back how much that um, the woke mob kind of freaked out about that movie. Mm -hmm. And if you stop and watch it, it's not like he's like a lumberjack, Republican, like, he's just a strong personality male. Yeah. Like, that's all. He disobeys his boss a couple times. He's hard to make friends with. He goes after the woman that he wants. Like, that's it. He wasn't that controversial of a figure. But just the fact that there was a masculine main character in a mainstream movie, people were freaking out. Yeah. And I think that's a great illustration of the rejection of of masculinity we see in our culture.
2: And it did like the best numbers, right? In the so box there's office.
0: a so there's a yeah. quiet there's a quiet what what did Trump call it back in the day the silent majority. Yeah, yeah. There's obviously a silent majority, but maybe that's the issue.
2: Yeah, the alignment of men as bad and manhood and masculinity as evil comes from a number of things. First. Having been told over and over that men are what's wrong in the world hmm. and not sin. Sin is what's broken the world, not manhood, not masculinity. But there's, we're told that there's some kind of oppressive patriarchy. There's some kind of toxic masculinity. So men have to stop being so manly. So that all of these other groups who have been so oppressed throughout the years can have their say. I think another reason that manhood is maligned the way that it is, is because of overbearing mothers who have this destructive false compassion to want to keep little junior from ever scraping his knee or having a bad day or having a conflict at school. And they keep this boy from developing in ways that he needs to develop, whether it's through being challenged, through competition, through hard work, through struggle, that it's important to have that moment as a, as a young boy where it's, up to you thrive and survive or don't and sometimes the instinctive overreach of a mom to protect her son from any kind of difficulty at a specifically at a young age it fosters in a spirit of adolescence as opposed to fostering a spirit of manhood do you remember your first bully
0: my first bully's name was alex Alex, if you're out there, I've forgiven you since, but I remember fourth grade. He was by far the largest boy in our class. Not even just, like, width. He was just a tall kid. He, he looked like the sixth graders. Alex had to apologize to our whole Sunday school class one time.
2: For doing what?
0: For making fun of the homeschoolers to the point that they all started crying. <laughs> And I was like, yeah, I can't believe that guy. You jerk. And me and all my homeschool friends, we were mad at him. But in this in this class, homeschoolers were the majority. So we were we were the cool group for once. Well, the next year I got put in the Christian school with Alex. So now I'm like on his team, he feels. But I'm still kind of a homeschooler at heart. And then I realized this, he wasn't being mean to me because I was homeschooled. He was just being mean to me because he was mean. Because even though I was in his class at school, he was still a little jerk.
1: I had to publicly apologize to Ms. for making her cry. (laughs) Wow. So you you were the troublemaker. (laughs)
2: That's
0: what you're you're getting to. Well, to bring it full circle, that's what we're talking about. Derek's mom didn't say, oh, how emotionally damaging would it be for him to get up in front of all of his friends and apologize and he's going to cry while he's up there. That's hardship that he doesn't need. No, she said, hey, you little jerk. You were mean. Go apologize in front of all your friends. And Derek, are you better off for it?
1: I'm much more sympathetic.
0: Look at that.
2: To the same point, she didn't run in and protect him and say that the teacher was being unfairly mean to him by picking on him or singling him out. Right. He did something wrong, however severe or unsevere it was she forced him to take responsibility for. But a lot of times what happens in the formative years of a boy is that the culture around him tells him, you as a man, developing man, you are what's wrong with the world, so don't be masculine. Second, this overbearing, overprotective mother who won't allow any struggle, won't allow him to fall down and scrape his knees, won't allow him to fail and pick himself up and dust himself off and develop in that way. And then lastly, I think it's, it's troubling to think how many men have never heard a single word of encouragement toward masculinity. That no one's ever, when they've done something masculine, when they've done something that is independent and strong and courageous. No one's come behind them and patted them on the back and said, that was a good thing for you to do. Thank you for for stepping up to the occasion. I think of even how we started this conversation about working your first summer job as, you know, most of us as junior high-ish age and then getting that first paycheck Bill, the mechanic, handed me $120 cash and my dad saying, I'm proud of you for working so hard this summer and instilling by way of celebrating a masculine virtue, a masculine trait of work hard and it pays off. Mm -hmm. Work hard and it benefits you. I read an article and I, I can't remember it off the top of my head. Maybe Derek can find it. But I remember reading an article about Gone are the days of the summer job where the summertime for most kids is seen not as an opportunity to work, but it's seen as an opportunity to just play, have fun, mm. do nothing. So what we're missing as a society is entry-level employee pool, kids who work at you know McDonald's or Chick-fil-A or mm. whatever for the summer, and you see help wanted signs everywhere, mm. but the long-term ramifications of that are people who don't want to work. So they're not getting their first job until they're 21, 22, 23 years old. And the first job is the job you need to have the learning curve. Yeah. So this is, a, a lot of this is, I think, creating the problem of a lack of proper understanding of biblical manhood. And, in the absence of authentic biblical masculinity, our sons and our daughters will gravitate toward skewed extremes. So I'm going to say that again, but in the absence of biblical masculinity, we tend to gravitate towards skewed extremes. And I think in our culture, there's really two extremes. First is, men become unmasculine or demasculine and very effeminate. And Paul writes to the church at Corinth about this specifically. And he talks about how that effeminacy misses the mark of biblical masculinity. That the way in which we are to behave as men, the way in which we're to act is to demonstrate by our behavior, our our speech, our actions, the way that we carry ourselves. It's to it's to demonstrate biblical masculinity. It's to demonstrate masculinity just in general. I think there are some things culturally that we as a society go with well, that belongs specifically to the feminine and that belongs specifically to the masculine.
0: It pedicures, apparently.
2: So, th- so things like in our culture, you know, wearing pink, right? That's that's something that girls do. Um, wearing a dress, that's something that belongs to women. But it that's a that's a culturally driven understanding, and Paul actually argues for that in First Corinthians eleven. Paul says, "Doth not nature itself teach you that it's a shame unto a man to have long hair?" And he's arguing to the Corinthians about understanding the cultural indicators of masculine and feminine. So in our culture, you wear a dress that's feminine. I don't care what movie star tries to make it cool. It's not masculine, it's feminine. But in William Wallace's day, if you wore a dress, otherwise known as a kilt, yeah, I don't think anyone's questioning William Wallace's masculinity, right? So there's a there's a place to understand the cultural standard for masculinity, and then Paul is saying to the to the men at Corinth, be sure you're giving a certain sound, right? Be sure that you're communicating, you're carrying yourself in a certain way, as not to send a mixed message, as it relates to masculinity or femininity. So, in in our culture, I think the application for that is. The the way you make certain gestures, the way you um, pronounce certain words, the way you sit in certain ways, the way you walk in certain ways—these are ways that you you demonstrate masculinity, so as to not give an uncertain sound. And then I think, secondarily, I think the other side of that pendulum is that we would be offered some cheap, macho version of manhood where men are known for burping and growing beards and eating bacon and drinking, that those are all the things that make you a man. And so if that's what you do, then you are somehow now more masculine than others.
0: So you see that our culture has come with their own answer to the woke mob destruction of of masculinity, right? We talk about all the suppression from guys like James Cameron and mainstream culture outside of Christianity. There's also a portion of that that's rejected it, but they have erred in that they've gone fully to the opposite side of the pendulum, like you're saying. You have guys, I think of one guy in particular who... Has really taken a lot of attention lately, both good and bad, for having just absolutely outlandish takes on women, on celibacy, on marriage, as well as just every area of life. Very much shut up and be a man type of thinking.
1: It feels like those kind of people who would go to the extreme opposite and, you know, become extremely rude towards women and they start off with like a, what we would think was, oh, that's that's a normal traditional value. And then they just take it out of control. Right. And that's how they, that's how they lure people in. They say, hey, this makes sense. This makes sense. Yeah. And then they just kind of run away with it. And that seems like, a, like you said, a response for our culture. And they're kind of just like punching back with the same sentiment, with the same aggressiveness and vigor. They're just punching back the opposite way. Because you see the typical feminist girl, the short hair red. <laughs> yeah. Like that's, that's the counterpart to, to the Andrew Tate there. He sees that and he says, that's terrible. And she sees that and she goes, he's terrible. Everyone should be like me. And and it's literally in the middle. There's, there's a, yeah, both are horrible. (laughs) That's right. But culture is so polarizing. They want everybody to say, you got to pick your poison. You got to pick one. You can't, you can't be in the middle. You can't be a provider and be... Can't
0: be a lover and a fighter.
1: You can't be a provider for your family and also listen to what your wife has to say. They both see something they hate and they just decide to be the exact opposite and leave every bit of nuance out of it and say, no, everything you do is wrong, so I'm going to do the opposite of everything that you do. Mm-hmm. And you probably see that because of the lack of, of masculinity in fathers in culture and how every single movie, TV show the father is the dummy and it's the father who's, you know, aloof. That's the opinion that children have growing up of fathers, and that's the standard that society has created for fathers, and that's the excuse that fathers have to be apathetic.
2: And I think what's important to say is both of those extremes are bad for the society, for men, for women, and for children. The effeminate man leaves women and children vulnerable. They don't feel safe. They don't feel protected. They don't feel security. They don't feel
1: provided for. I feel like you could say the opposite. The extremely Absolutely. fake masculine man, their kids don't feel safe. They That's don't right. feel any affection toward them. It's the exact same it's this, end result. It's the same end result. And women
2: on the macho man extreme they just become objectified mm-hmm. they're they're just objects to be conquered and trophies to be had and that's how they're that's how they're viewed in in the culture by the other extreme and both are wrong that's what's important for everyone to hear us say both are wrong both miss the mark of a biblical masculinity and the bottom line is that we live in a world that desperately needs men to act like men and desperately needs men to step into the role that God has given to them. Genesis chapter two, before the fall, before all the trouble starts, we find manhood really in three relationships, his relationship with God, which is worship, his relationship with creation, which is his work, and his relationship with his family so which is the woman that god gave him and when men rise to the level of their responsibility in those relationships it's good for the culture for the society and for people around them and so let's talk practically here like what is that what does that look like and there's a passage in first corinthians chapter 16 where paul writes in verse 13 and he says this watch ye stand fast in the faith quit you like men and be strong there's four things that he says ought to be the expectation for men first watch ye which i would say means live with a carefulness live with an awareness so central to whom men have been called and created to be is to be watchful over their own lives their own souls their own spirits, but also to be watchful over the lives of those that they're responsible for so it's keeping keeping a a sharp eye over Satan's intrusion into our lives so let's let's get some feedback from you guys on that what's a way that as men we're to be careful we're to be watchful
0: I think it starts with being in tune to the spirit and the needs of those that are that you're responsible for and those that you'd watch over. If I am in good relationship and in good standing and have a closeness with those that um, I'm responsible for, then they feel that they can bring things to me. And they, if there's a love there, if they're comfortable, that's what I'm trying to say, I guess if they're comfortable to bring me issues and concerns and fears that they may have, then It's a whole lot easier for me to be watchful. I don't have to try to figure anyone out or find out what's being hidden or tucked away.
1: The book that I I recommended last week, Tender Warrior, one of the quotes in the book is that the measure of a man, a godly man specifically, is the spiritual maturity of his family. Oh, nice. That is the the way that we are to be careful and to be involved in and concerned about and influential in the spiritual aspect of our family's lives.
2: So... Watchful, right? When he says "watch ye," the image that Paul has in mind is that guy on the watchtower, who's looking out and who's paying attention. And I think this is the call for men: pay attention, right? That's what we mean when we say live with a carefulness. Pay attention to to what? Well, to your own heart, your own attitude, your your own spiritual development and maturity, but also pay attention to the development, spiritual maturity, attitude, and people that God has put in your life. Hmm. That biblical manhood carries with it the understanding that your actions, your attitude, your decisions affect people around you. So I don't care what age, right? You're 13 years old. Your attitude, your actions affect people around you. And being a man is recognizing that. That even, even if your home environment or your home life isn't all that you hoped it would be, you can live with a watchfulness. You can live with a carefulness that says this, the way I respond to my mom and dad or the way I respond to that professor at college or the way I respond to whatever, the referee in mm-hmm. the game can, can impact the people around me. So I want to be like that guard on the watchtower and I want to pay attention and I want to live with a carefulness.
0: So the watchman in an ancient city would have been looking for two things, right? He would have looked outside of the wall for attackers and he would have looked inside the wall for fires. That was their job at night. They would look inside the city because a city within walls in ancient times is very tight packed houses stacked in there. Everyone's inside the wall for protection. So if a fire starts at night and everyone's asleep, it can turn into a huge issue inside those walls before people would wake up and put it out. So that was what the watchman did. So in the same way, we're to watch for fires inside of our family and look for issues that arise and spirits and, and problems that come up and concerns that we see in the lives of around us. And we're also to look outside the walls of our family mm-hmm. and be concerned with how Satan is trying to infiltrate, how others are trying to harm and to hurt and um, it's, got, it's a twofold watchman.
2: So let's make it even more practical, individualize it in your mind. How does a high school kid do that? How does college kid do that? How does a young married man,
0: right? I don't know how he does it. <laughs> <laughs> I can't speak to what every high schooler would need to be vigilant as, as a watchman of their own lives, but I can speak to what I needed, and I, I look in hindsight and think, if I could go back and tell 15-year-old Evan a couple things to to be vigilant over. It would be pay close attention to what you laugh at because Satan and the world will use humor to sneak things into your life that shouldn't Mm -hmm. be there. Kind of along the same line of entertainment. um, Be careful what you allow in your life through music because as much as no one wants to be that guy who's ripping on music all the time, the truth is, that Satan uses the power of music to sneak philosophy into our lives that we know is against God's word and we know it shouldn't be there. So be, watch your entertainment and watch your associations, friends that we maybe shouldn't have or definitely shouldn't give a, a level of closeness or a level of time to. All these are just vehicles. That, they're Trojan horses that you don't see, right? right? If Satan came to you and tempted you with a horrible sin, you would hopefully say, no. If Satan came to you and presented you with with a gross sin in its form, most of us would would recognize the danger of that. But he puts these things in those in these vehicles of humor, of music, of friends, and he rolls them into the life, especially of high schoolers, because mm-hmm. friends and these influences are very powerful at that time in your life. Right. So he's sneaking stuff in, and because it's in these vehicles, we're not vigilant. We don't allow it. We don't see it.
1: When it comes to younger adults, maybe college age, maybe not with families, maybe it's outside of masculinity, but if you're talking about being watchful, being vigilant, you could be vigilant of your influences, like Evan was saying, but also of who you're influencing and realize that your actions do have an impact on people around you, whether you realize it or not. And you see this a lot in our school and our youth group everybody has a sphere of influence everybody has a voice and opportunity to influence somebody even if they don't recognize it and being watchful of who that is and in choosing your actions and your responses accordingly to say how will this positively or negatively affect the people who are watching me that's a huge part of being vigilant being aware of your surroundings
2: and i think for the you know the married couple whether young or old, I think the importance for being watchful is really the the idea of the word is engage. You know, you're on the tower, like you had pointed out, Evan. There's a fire or there's an invader. You have to be willing to engage. You have to pay attention to that. And oftentimes, we don't. We're too wrapped up, maybe in our own selves, or we're too enamored with other entertainments that we aren't being watchful. So live with a carefulness As I think where it starts. Second, he says, stand fast in the faith, which is speaking about following through on commitments you've made. So be a man of your word. You said you were going to do it, do it. And the idea of standing fast is implying that it takes some fortitude. It takes some it takes some resilience it takes some endurance to finish whatever it is that you have started so follow through on the commitment the commitment inside of marriage the commitment inside of you know your your own local church the commitment in you know your your own spiritual growth stand fast of course it's going to be difficult of course it's going to be hard that's why he says stand fast i know it's going to be strenuous but Follow through on the commitments that you've made. And those those commitments that we're making were are sometimes long term commitments. You make, you know, we're approaching the end of the year, the beginning of a new year. You'll make some commitments. Follow through with that. Um, but those commitments are also ongoing. You know, the commitment to be the right kind of husband, the commitment to be the right kind of son, or the commitment to be the right kind of friend. Follow through on the commitment. I remember when I was in seventh and eighth grade, I tried to quit band and my dad wouldn't let me. And I was so mad. And I I decided I was going to be in the band. I was going to be in the orchestra. I was playing the trumpet. My friend Brad was playing the trumpet as well. And I didn't like it. I wasn't good at it. And I told my dad, I want to quit. And he said, you can't quit. Said, well, why Why can't I quit? He said, because you made a commitment. And he made me stick that entire year through in band, made me finish it. And guess what happened? I enjoyed it. Yeah. So guess what I did in eighth grade? I signed up for band all over again. And it was kind of the same process. About a month into band in eighth grade, I wanted to quit again. And he didn't let me do it because he had taught me a principle. You made a commitment. You're not just gonna quit. You're not just gonna walk out. People are counting on you. You can't just leave. So follow through on your commitments.
0: Now, every time that you play a rousing trumpet solo in church, I'm thankful your dad made you keep that. So praise the Lord. When I
2: got to high school, I stopped banned. (laughs) I didn't sign sign up my 10th grade year.
0: But that's the point that you didn't sign up that year. You made a a decision, a commitment the same way to not be banned at the appropriate time.
2: At the appropriate time. And I think a development of manhood is follow through on the commitment you made. You said you were going to do
1: something, see the job through. I've had the exact same experience just with baseball. (laughs) (laughs) Dad, I'm done. I don't want to play anymore. You said you were going to play. You're going to go to
0: practice. I paid 40 bucks for 12 games and you're playing 12 games.
1: The other phrase in this text
2: is quit you like men. And the quit there is not the quit like we were just talking about. But the quit, that word literally means be a man. Make yourself a man. Act like a man is literally the phrase. So... I think this means for us, look for challenges. Hmm. This is what men do. Men look for the challenge and they rise to it. And I think this is a big struggle for the generation of men today. We only want to do what we're comfortable with. I always
1: take the path of least resistance. Always
2: take the path of least If I'm already good at it, I'll sign up and do it. If I'm not good at it or I've never done it before or maybe I wouldn't be the best – then I don't want to try it. Hmm. That is underdeveloping the the masculinity and the manhood that's needed for life because you have to rise to the challenge. You are challenged in a lot of areas as you grow and as you develop. I find myself challenged every day in unique ways with different situations. And I'm thankful that I had an environment when I was younger where my mom and dad forced me to do things that were uncomfortable. It's a it's a you know in in church culture they always say like three to thrive. You you know if the doors are open we're going to be there. If there was a youth activity or a youth event, my parents made me go. Sometimes they didn't have the money but they just figured out a way to make us go. And I'm glad they pushed us and challenged us in that way. If I were left to myself, there's so many things I would have never done. But because they challenged us, they didn't let us just sit on the sideline. They put us in positions where we had to humble ourselves to learn things. They put us in positions where we had to step outside of our comfort zone. And as a result, I have a much more fulfilled life than than I would have had had I not been challenged in some of those ways. I think of, of things that like our youth group always did. We always went roller skating. And I was I was terrible at roller skating. But they always made us go. And they forced us to do it. Now – I don't go roller skating often, but whenever we do go, I'm glad I'm not hanging onto the wall. You're scooting along like the guy who has no idea. Is. Our youth group went skiing once a year, went to Paoli Peaks there in Indiana. My parents always made me go. We wrecked. I had snow from the, he- the top of my head to the bottom of my boots. We didn't even have snow boots. We, 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 <laughs> we, had, no- we had nothing. I wore like three pairs of sweatpants, which is about the worst <laughs> thing you can wear while you're while you, you know, skiing. But my parents made me go. And as a result, man, every year now when we go to Big Bear, absolutely love it. Absolutely love it. It's one of my favorite things to do. But that would have never happened if I had, I would not be in that position today had I not been challenged. And those are, those are like goofy challenges, you know, they don't they're they're not make any real life change, but, they're, but they serve to illustrate the greater point. Like you ought to challenge yourself.
0: We have to understand we were made for that, right? Like, complacency kills that masculine spirit because we get to a place where we know enough to function, and that's where it's dangerous. Like, I'm good at my job, I'm good at my hobbies, so I'm not going to learn a new job, I'm not going to learn any new hobbies, and not to limit it to temporal things, but even even within spiritual disciplines, I... Don't like to sing. I'm not good at singing. My choir, their church choir needs members, but I don't like to sing. And I'm not good at it. I've never sang before. These are the things that limit us spiritually because you don't know the gift that you're robbing from yourself and from those in the choir and those in your church congregation. Absolutely. And that's just one example.
2: Absolutely. It's seeing that challenge and going after it. I might not be the best, but I'm going to learn.
0: And we don't like to admit this, but the, the biggest hang up in that is humility.
2: Absolutely. It's pride.
0: I don't want to get up in the choir and sound dumb. I don't, 12-year-old Pastor Delaney didn't want to go up on the ski hill and roll all the way down it from the top to the bottom. We, do, we, do want, we don't want to be humbled. We don't want to be embarrassed. We want people to think well of us, and that's what keeps us in our box.
1: Yeah. I think it could also be a, a source of, of dissatisfaction in your life that you don't even realize why is because you become complacent mm. and because you haven't a good point. you haven't stretched yourself and grown in any any specific way and you just feel a little i know i i can feel this way sometimes just a little restless like man i feel like i i'm doing the same thing i feel like i've i haven't i haven't grown recently i haven't i haven't done something different in that
0: have i peaked
1: <laughs> <laughs> so that i feel like that could be a source of of discomfort and discontentment in our lives that you don't even realize why and it probably could be that that complacency that you've settled for yeah, you aren't challenging yourself. This
2: podcast, this podcast has been a challenge for us. Right, coming up with content, making it beneficial and positive for our, our listener base, doing it every day, learning the ins and outs of a of having a conversation like this.
0: Mm-hmm. You guys don't hear the edits, but we don't always get along about
2: these things. <laughs> it's it's challenging, but <laughs> this is the point: challenge yourself. And I think the last thing in this text it says: be strong, be strong, wake up every day and act. With courage. Be courageous as you face your day. And to me, regardless of your age, these are the four ways that you can grow in your manhood. And this is what we want our sons to aim for. But this is what we want our daughters. So if you're a female listener, this is what we want you to expect. This is what we believe 1 Corinthians 16 says, is is hitting the mark of biblical masculinity. So live with a carefulness, follow through on your commitments, look for challenges, and wake up every day and act in courage, and I think you'll find the fulfillment that the Lord has for us in who He has made us to be in accepting that identity that God has given us as men.
0: I think you put this into action this week by choosing something small, right? So right now, I'm torn— Two ways where I either want to get my master's degree next or I want to get my pilot's license. And I can't decide. Both those I want to do sometime in the next five years. I got a baby on the way, so neither of them is going to happen in 2023. But I want to do one of those things in the next five years. And I think one of them is probably a little more practical. (laughs) (laughs) But I don't know. So, But it's very easy for me to become complacent because those are a little bit bigger picture that I don't challenge myself this week. So whatever that is for you. Find something small that you've been avoiding and push yourself to do it. Push yourself to learn it. For me, that's piano. All year long, I've been saying I'm going to start staying here after work one hour a week and playing the piano, but I have not done it yet. So I don't need money for that. I don't need time really for that. I just need to do it. Yeah. Uh, so you find that thing in your life. Find the small thing. Find a big goal too. get a five-year goal that you want to grow in, but find something that you can start on Monday and do it. Yeah, it's great. It's great thoughts.
2: Well, thank you so much for listening to our podcast today. we got a couple instructions for you as we close. So, Evan?
0: You need to subscribe to this here podcast. Listen, here's the thing. If you have Apple Music, excuse me, Apple Podcasts, and that's where you listen, subscribe. But, but, if you also have the Spotify app on your phone, go subscribe there, too. It's just double the alerts. Um, it helps us as well as it'll let you know when a new po- episode comes out. You'll see it on Instagram. We'll let you know, but you'll get a notification on your phone. It'll automatically download. It'll be right there ready for you if you just subscribe. So make sure on Apple, it's a little plus mark up at the top of the screen. On Spotify, it's a little green button that says follow. Uh, so find those things and do that. Derek, what do you got next for Don't us? Don't
1: forget to uh, re- leave a review also. If you do subscribe, if you do listen, go ahead and leave us a review. And uh, share our podcast with people that you know. Be looking forward to the next couple weeks. We're going to have a special Christmas trivia podcast coming up, so you don't want to miss that. We'll have a couple guests on, and uh, they will I know they'll be a help to us and give us a good time. Fun
0: little show coming up for Christmas. In the meantime, we have some more fun content to cover. So... Make sure you buy a hat if you'd like one, those have been flying off the shelves, so get yours while the first order is still here. Or We may do a reorder with some different colors once these run out, but if you like the black, if you like the tan, go ahead and get one because there are not many left. Uh, we'll throw some stickers in the box, if you would like a sticker, maybe you got in late. And uh, you didn't get in that initial sticker giveaway. We're going to do something else here for you in the the Christmas spirit to get you a sticker and let you represent the podcast. So be watching Instagram and Twitter for that. Thank you so much for listening to Faith by Hearing. We'll leave you with a quote this week. I was with my grandpa one night. We were coon hunting, loading the dogs up. My grandma comes out. She says, that boy is nine years old and it's 10 o'clock at night and you guys are just leaving. He's got to go to bed. And he basically is like, we're going to go hunting. He'll be all right. It's cold. He's got a jacket. We'll be fine. She goes back in the house, he's loading the dogs in the truck, and he looks at me and says, Evan, if we were all the things they wanted us to be, they wouldn't even like us.